You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. hear a word from God who's going to just propel us into our week and beyond. So why don't you say hi, grab a seat, get your notebooks or your pen or your, no, I, I was at a global leadership summit and we heard an amazing speech about a, from a young guy who talks about generations. So he was jokingly saying, if you're a boomer, you've got two pens in your bag. If you're, you know, in that next whatever the gen, millennials, you don't even know what a pen is. You're kind of going to pull out your pads or something to work on. But grab out whatever is in your hands because we've got a great word of God coming today, if I can actually find it. Now, see, I'm a Gen Z, right? This is what I claim. I'm kind of, I think we're the in-between generation. So we can communicate up and a little bit down and we kind of try and do our best with technology. And hopefully it'll work for me today, eh? <laughs> well, it's school holidays. Are we happy about that? I'm one of the mums in the camp of the happy school holidays. I love school holidays. I feel like there's two camps for mums. Some love, some not so much. Um, I love not packing lunch boxes. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I just love that. Actually, it's probably the fact that in school holidays, you have no extracurricular activities. There's like no swimming lessons, no soccer training, no flute, no band, no all those things. And you just get a bit of space to breathe. Uh, so bring it on. Uh, for those parents that maybe don't feel so well, I pray blessing upon your children this holidays that they will entertain themselves and that you will get some space in your world. Uh, we had a great, a really great spirit and truth time last weekend with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Kristen. Uh, it was just really practical, hey. It was just bringing us back to this point where we are reminded, you know what, you are a person who is led by the Spirit. And that doesn't look weird. It just looks like you in your space, listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what He asked you to do. And uh, it's really empowering. It was really freeing and releasing. And so can I encourage you, we will be doing it again next year. When you get those dates, mark it in your calendar and get there because it really releases you into actually who you're meant to be. All right? So that is awesome. Hey, if you had a great testimony from Spirit and Truth too, make sure you tell us and tell one another. We love to hear what God's doing in your world. Awesome. All right. Well, we've been talking about money. I, um, I think this is a little bit funny because I wasn't actually meant to preach today, but Pastor Darren very graciously swapped a day a date with me, and that was before I knew what the topic was. And I find out I'm preaching on money, and this is God's sense of humor, right? Because if I'm being completely honest with you, money is not my strong point. It's not my favorite subject in the world. It's certainly been something that I have had to intentionally journey with God to get a kingdom mindset for this aspect of my life. So, when I preach to you today, I guarantee that it is not out of theoretical concepts that I know in my head to be true from the Word of God. But sometimes I feel that God puts us up here when we get to speak out of the testimony of our heart about actually how this Word in here has literally transformed 
our lives and therefore how we now approach whatever that is. And so for me, that's money. So there, you know, God obviously orchestrated that. And so you get to hear a bit of my journey today, which is awesome. But I really feel like there's been a real grace on this series of money. And I don't think it was any mistake that we had spirit and truth kind of stuck in the middle. Because if you were anything like me, you tend to compartmentalize your finances um, and put it over here. You know, your tithe and stuff, that's spiritual. But everything else is kind of the practical side of money over here. And it's a little bit separate from my spiritual relationship with God over in this side. And I think that God's saying, no, it's not. It's all intricately, intricately connected together. And when we actually see that, it just helps us approach it in such a healthy way because we approach it with God. So I love that we've been looking at that. And um, I believe that you started with Pastor Simo. Who remembers what Pastor Simo preached? Cheeseburgers. I've heard this. Yeah. Cheeseburgers. That's awesome. I'll tell him. You know what they remembered from your sermon, Pastor Simo, was cheeseburgers. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully along the lines, he also taught you that money was amoral. I think this is one of the greatest concepts to grab because money is not evil. And sometimes even some well-meaning teaching that we have maybe received in other parts of our world, maybe some incorrect perceptions of what we've read in the Bible, we can even actually begin to think that money is, is evil. It's a bad thing. Let's not have money. Otherwise, we're going to become captured by money and it's going to become our God. But that's not true. Money is just a resource. We just need to see it as a resource. It's what we do with it that attaches any type of morality to it. So that was a really great foundation to start with. And then Pastor Darren brought a great message, how money reveals our heart. And as I was listening to it, the thing that really stuck out for me is I loved how he said, when God brings something up in your heart, lean into it. What is God actually saying in that? Don't run away from it. Don't feel like, oh, I better hide that back down. didn't really want to see that part of my world. God's okay with it because he actually brought it up for you. And he didn't bring it up to condemn you with it. He didn't bring it up to go, oh, look at this. That's your glaring big problem there. He brought it up because he's compassionate about you and he loves you and he wants to see you set free from it. So I'm going to encourage you because as I was prepping for this sermon today, God has brought stuff up again in me, right? And so I just have to lean into that and go, okay, God, give me another layer of truth so that I can be free in this area. And so today, as God brings up stuff in you, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It actually means that God loves you and he wants to do something in you. So lean into that today. Cool. All right. So we've been looking at our series scripture. If you've got your Bibles, do you want to turn to Matthew 6, 19 to 24? So Matthew 6, we're going to start reading in verse 19. And this is what we've been looking at over this whole series. And it says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of your body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, oh, how great that darkness is. 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Hey, church, let's just pray. God, I just thank you that you are giving us life-giving words about money. God, you're showing us exactly what you purposed for it in our lives and how we can just channel that blessing to bless those around us. Lord, I'm believing that you're going to bring stuff up in people today, God, because you want them to be set free. You want them to walk in a whole new level of generosity. You want them to be able to channel this resource exactly as you always intended it to be. So God, we just thank you that you are a good father and we stand on that foundation and we know that you're doing a good work in us. Amen. 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 All right, so our final topic today is that money positions. So the simple thing of that is, you know, we're talking about storing it up in heaven. So, So how do we actually do that? How do we actually position our money so that we are walking under the flow of the kingdom of God in this area of our life? Now, who loves a good kingdom movie? Because we're going to be talking about kingdoms today. All right. So who loves a good kingdom movie? Anyone? Yes. Yes. What's your favorite, Kiri? Put you on the spot. Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Darren, give us some manly kingdom movie to just... The kingdom. You like the kingdom? I am sorry, Kiri. That's an awesome kingdom move. There is sword fighting in that one too. Hey, I love a good kingdom. You know, kings and queens. We've got horses. We've got castles. We've got dungeons. I think personally, I really like the musketeer movies uh, because it gets that fight with evil but a really good dose of humour thrown in there. Otherwise, kingdom movies can become pretty intense sometimes. So um, as I was thinking about this, I have to tell you a funny story about my parents. Um, I'll probably do this to my children one day too. But we were very, they were very strict in what we watched, which actually, when you go back to that Bible verse, it says, be careful what comes in through your eyes. They were being very biblical. Um, So I remember great excitement when I was finally allowed to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So I'd been waiting to watch this movie for a long time, right? So we sat down and we watched it and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That wasn't that bad. I don't know what the problem with that was. Anyway, later on when I was at uni, we must have decided to watch it on TV. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, this is a great movie. I really like this movie. And it comes on and I'm starting to watch it. I'm going, this isn't Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I've never seen this before. I don't know what, you know, what this movie is because if you know Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it starts pretty dark, right? They're down in a dungeon There's like prisoners, I think there's some cutting off of hands. It's not a really pretty place to be. And so I watched this entire movie and there were whole chunks of it that I have never ever seen. And I lived in the days of VHS recording where you could pause recording and it would cut things out, like you did it to pause the ads out. I'm glad most of you are my generation and above or you'd have no idea what I'm talking about right now. And I realised that my parents had recorded that movie and cut out entire chunks of the movie. So I didn't even get to see it until I was like, I don't know, 20 or something. But I will admit that I think I liked their version better because they just kind of cut out all the yucky stuff. It'd be, I think, I like I liked Braveheart, but I can never watch Braveheart again because it's just too gory for me. So I think I could do that with that one, just cut out all the bad bits and watch the nice storyline flow through. But anyway, 
In all these kingdom movies, we see kings and we see their kingdoms and we see the interactions between them, right? And we see good kings. So they're the ones that serve their people, they care, they love, they protect, they provide for their kingdom. They're the good kings. But then we also get to see bad kings. We get to see the ones that only use their kingdoms and their people for their own selfish gain. They're, um, they're violent towards their people. They don't care. They don't protect them. They're just out to get what they want. And so we see this real contrast between what a king is and the kingdom that they reign in. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble, but we're not in the era of the Knights of the Round Table. So for those of you who are going to go and get a sword and a horse this afternoon, you probably won't find one. But we have actually chosen to live in a kingdom. We have chosen to live in this place where we actually serve a king and where we have a king that reigns and rules over us. And the scripture that we just read clearly talks about serving God and it clearly talks about storing up our treasures in his kingdom. It tells us that we cannot be in two kingdoms at once. You cannot serve God as king. You cannot serve money as king. So if we cannot serve these two kingdoms, if you cannot serve God and money, then how do you actually serve God with your money? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I guess this starts with is firstly, do you actually see God as your king? And do you recognize that your life is actually meant to be playing out in his kingdom? You actually live in this kingdom. The Bible talks about kingdoms. The Bible talks about a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. To believe in God literally means that you are believing in some kind of kingdom that is outside of the physical reality that we actually see here. If I said to you, let's say the Lord's Prayer together, many of you would be able to say it with me. So let's go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is like the foundation of how we are meant to pray. So at the very beginning, God reminds us that we are in God's kingdom and we are wanting to see God's kingdom outworked here on earth. At your point of salvation, you actually made a choice where you positioned your heart in the kingdom of God. So prior to that, you were living in your own realm. You were your own king. You might have acted as your own king or you might have had things in the world that were acting as your king, but you were in this kingdom of darkness that God talks about. But at salvation, you actually make this choice to step in to the kingdom of light. Now, sometimes at salvation, we see Jesus as saviour, and that's like a wonderful and a beautiful, and it's often the thing that we are attracted to because we see our need for a saviour. We see Jesus as saviour. And so we agree and we accept that and we want that in our life and we accept his saving grace. But you also are making a choice to put Jesus as king of your life. And this isn't just an automatic process where Jesus is my king and now everything falls under his kingdom and I suddenly begin looking exactly like someone in the kingdom of God. That's what we know in the Bible as transformation. Transformation is simply the process of outworking and bringing every aspect of your life under the domain of God, under his kingdom rule. That's what discipleship is. It's your choice to go, you know what? I'm not actually going to 
do this part of my life using my own wisdom and in my own strength. But I'm going to trust that God knows best. So I'm going to choose to live that out under what he says, under his principles and under his rule and reign. And you know, at salvation, you have all this access. You have complete access. God gives you all access to everything in the kingdom, all of the promises, all of the power, all of the authority that he has over all of the earth is actually available to you. But we do have to make this choice to step into it. And I love that this process is done out of relationship because that's where a picture of kingdoms that we see in movies sometimes doesn't match up with the king that we have in Jesus. Okay, so Jesus doesn't force us into submission. But he calls us out of love and relationship into, with our free will, this decision to walk out life with him. And that is one of the greatest blessings about being in the kingdom of God. There is this relationship that we have with him where we gradually... It's not even all expected to happen at once. So if you feel like you're failing, you just need to know that that condemnation does not come from God. Because God will call you one step at a time to bring every aspect. And this is my testimony from this whole journey of money. I think a couple of weeks ago, I did an offering message here where I shared with you that once upon a time when I was a young adult, I just throw some money in the bucket when it came around for tithes, depending on whatever was in my wallet. I didn't have a revelation of tithing, Um, but God wasn't condemning me then, but he did start to speak to my heart about, Mel, what's most important to you, and through a process of that, I began to see the value of tithing. Now, if I'm being really honest with you, tithing just started as a logical, I know I should do this, so I will do this because I'm an obedient person. I'm a very rule-based child, so if in my head it was a, like a law, a rule, right? So I just started. The amazing thing is that over time, God shows me, hang on, this isn't a law. This is a relational thing that I'm calling to, and look at the benefits that it's having in your life, and then suddenly tithing becomes a joy and not something that's a non-negotiable anymore. It's because I want to do it. That's the journey. You're not expected to have it all perfectly together all at once, Right? But then I remember the day he went, okay, well, what about being generous? Because, you know, tithing is still quite logical, and I can account for that in my budget. But generosity is so not logical. Right? When God calls you to be generous, it's like, yeah, but that money was for my house. Well, that money over there was going to pay for this weekend. And God says, no, go and give that here. No, go and grab another sponsor child. No, go and invest in the vision of our house, you know, of our church. And that's not logical. And so that's another whole journey of going, okay, I trust you with my tithes, but I can kind of account for that. Now I've got to trust you when I can't account for it. I've got to believe that if I take that money out of my house deposit because I actually believe that that's what you're saying, that you're going to provide. And here's the testimony. Absolutely did. Because you know what? I bought a house for far less than the house should have been worth. Okay? God doesn't necessarily just plump back the money by some unknown donor at some time. (laughs) 
but he provides a way for you to get the very thing that you were saving for in the first place. So my point is that submitting to the kingdom is a process and it's something that you outwork in the relationship with God. And so these are these prompts like Pastor Darren was talking about. He brings something up and you go, okay, God, this is making me uncomfortable, but I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to hear what you're saying. I'm going to be obedient because I trust you that you are a really, really good king. Now, you can take my testimony as word for why it would be a good idea to submit under the kingdom. But there's also an understanding that bringing or giving up your control is a good thing because in the kingdom of God, there are all these promises, right? And the world will tell you, don't give up control. That's a silly thing. You should stay in control of your own life. But what God says in here is, if you actually bring your lives into the kingdom, so if you submit to me, then I will actually make available to you the promises of the kingdom. I will be a king who protects and provides for you. The benefit of being in a kingdom is you no longer have to make it all work for yourself because you actually have a king who is over you, whose responsibility, and it goes beyond responsibility with God. It's his very heart. His nature is that he wants to protect and provide for you. Isn't that amazing? Like we have the God who has all resources He's completely unlimited. He has all power. He is the one who is protecting and providing for you in the very everyday practical aspects of your finance. You know, sometimes we might just think, oh, yeah, God will protect and provide for me in my spiritual walk and I'll get to heaven and that will be wonderful. God cares about the very little things in your life. If you've got a desire to buy a house and you see that thing as just being an unbelievable dream, you need to know that God wants that for you. If you've got a desire to be able to take on another sponsor child because you want to invest into that, then God will help you produce to be able to do that. He cares about the really little things. He cares about the very things that make your life go and work in this day and age. He cares about your finances. He cares about you having enough. He cares, he cares, he cares because he is such a good king. And, you know, I just want to back on to what Pastor Darren was speaking about for those that, you know, about this whole go it again. As I was praying for you today, I really just got a sense that for some of you, there's just this feeling of, oh, I'm really tired. I'm really tired in the financial world of feeling like I'm going round and around and around the wheel that I just can't get off. And I hear words like this. I hear that God loves me. I know that he loves me. I hear that he'll protect and provide for me, but I just feel like I can't get to that place. You know, if we're reading and keep reading down from our series scripture, the very next chapter which if you have a book, a Bible with titles, says, do not worry. <laughs> so we read that scripture about putting our treasures in heaven. We read this scripture about submitting our lives to the kingdom. And I feel like God knows what our rebuttal is. <laughs> 
You know, we're going to go, but God, I've tried and I've still got to put food on the table and I've still got to make clothes and I've still got to pay for, you know, my kids' stuff and I've still got to, still got to, still got to run a car, still got to do all these things. And God says, I know, don't worry about it. This is what he actually says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You know, I struggled over these verses for a long time because I can read them like that, but I'm going, but God. And I can read it like that, and I go, but God. I feel like there's still all this stuff, and I can't see how ends are going to meet. And I haven't had any checks miraculously appear in the mail. I can't tell you how many times I'd hear that story from a platform and something in me would go, whoa, what about me? (laughs) There is. You can sing it later, Brad. (laughs) God maybe looks after those pastors, the ones that have sold up everything and left and but not just the general old person in everyday life. I haven't done anything really special, so God's not going to do the same for me. It doesn't actually say that in there. It doesn't say that there's any qualification to the fact of whether God's going to look after you or not. It just says, don't worry. And when we get into this place where we find worry or anxiety around our finances, if we find that things aren't working out the way that we wanted, we need to stop and come back to this place where we go, I am in the kingdom of God and I'm going to trust and believe that he is a good king who will protect and provide for me and I'm going to choose, because it's an intentional choice, not to worry. I'm going to choose to look to God And I'm going to choose to see the blessings that he is pouring out in my life. And I'm going to choose to hear what he actually has to say. Because I honestly believe, because I have seen it in my own life, that there is freedom from worry when it comes to finances. And worry most often comes out of this little bit of us that seeks to take back control. So whenever you actually feel that worry kind of popping up, again, don't be condemned by it. Go, whoa, okay, God, what am I trying to control again? What am I trying to take my hands back on? And where do I need to release that into the kingdom? So I'm hoping by now I've got you convinced. Well, God's got you convinced, right? That you want to put your money in the kingdom. Okay, that we want to operate our finances from this kingdom mindset. 
If anyone's not convinced, Pastor Darren would love, or Pastor Beck, would love to have a conversation with you after. I'm serious. I think we have this thing also in our world, right, that when we're struggling with an area, we kind of like to gather with other people who are struggling in an area rather than going to people that are doing really well in that area. I don't, you know, I just want to encourage you that if someone's doing well in an area that you want to grow in, go and hang out with them because they've got a story to tell you about that. They've got some wisdom to impart and they will want nothing more than to help journey that with you because they love that revelation in their life and that freedom that it's brought. So we need to be people that get alongside those that are doing well and ask them to help us. Be vulnerable. You never know what you might learn. Hey, but let's get back to the message. So Matthew 6, 33, which follows directly from this do not worry, tells us the answer about how we make sure that we are positioned in the kingdom when it comes to our finances. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Who has seen this Bible verse on an Instagram post, someone's house, bumper sticker of a car, right? It's one of the, probably the most well-known Bible verses that's everywhere around. And I, what I don't like about poor verses like this is they become cliches, become like our little spiritual throw-out lines. And in some ways, we devalue the power that is actually in this. So I want you to look at that and kind of go, okay, what is it that God is saying to me through this scripture today? God is saying that the way we actually submit an area of our life under the authority of God is to simply put him first. Put him first and not just in a spiritual sense, As in, put him first in your finances. Put him first in your marriage. Put him first in your parenting. Put him first in your business. Put him first in your work. We put him first wherever we are. And when we do that, that's what actually positions that aspect of our lives into the kingdom of God. Because we always put first what we value most. If you look at your life, You will make choices based on what you value. So can I encourage you this week, have a really honest look at your finances and ask yourself, what am I putting first in it? When you have a really hard financial choice to make, what values guide that choice? What do you come back to? Or what has a priority in your finances? If you've only got this amount here, where does it go? Because that will show you what your priorities are. That will show you what your value system is. It will show you your default way of thinking. And can I encourage you that if God brings up in you and kind of goes, ah, you know what? Your default isn't necessarily the kingdom. Maybe it is in in lots of areas, but maybe he brings up a new one. Like for me, brought up generosity. I thought I was sweet. He just brought up something new because he wants this other whole layer. He wants to release every aspect of your finances. So when he brings that up this week, just lean into that and go, okay, God, how do I actually put you first in that? 
because that, you know, will enable you, your finances to be put under the reign, the domain, the rulership of the kingdom, under God, who will then bring out all the promises. So he's saying, he's promising you here that you will not have to worry about the food on your table, that you will not have to worry about the clothes that you wear, that you don't have to worry and sweat all the small stuff because God will protect and provide for you when you put him first in your life. Sound like a good deal? I think we're getting a great deal. I think, you know, we are the ones winning in all of this. So just before we end today, we just wanted to look at a few practical things of where you can start. Because sometimes finances can seem really huge. So where do you actually start? A really great place to start with putting your finances first is tithing. (gasps) I said it. Tithing is not a dirty word. Tithing is a great thing. Why do we get antsy about tithing? Do you know what? Tithing is just the simple act of bringing the first of what you have to God. I love tithing. I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. But I love tithing because tithing has changed my world because every payday I am reminded that this amount of money that I just got paid comes from God. I'm giving him like 10%, start with 10%. I'm giving him 10% back of this. But he gave me 90%. If you need to switch your mind, just go like this. God just gave me 90% of this amount of money. That's amazing. Right? It's just bringing the first. And it's not a law. It's actually something that came out of people's hearts from the very beginning of creation. If you track down through the Bible, you will see that people brought something to God out of a revelation of who he was. Abel and Cain. Abel brought an offering from what he had that was the best of what he had. Cain didn't bring his best. That was the difference between Cain and Abel's offering. You know, Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his only son, the promise he had been waiting for so long. He had such a deep trust and love for God that he was willing to bring his very best to God. I think about this woman, this lady, this widow, sorry, at Zarephath. She was going to give the very last of everything that she had just on a word of a promise that God would provide. You have many promises that God will provide you. And he is saying, bring the first and your best into this place because we trust that he is going to do more with that 90% than you could ever do with the 10% that you have given. And if you're not sure about this, can I encourage you again, ask someone who is tithing whether God has been faithful in that for them. Just do a show of hands. Has God been faithful in tithing? Like if we look around, there are so many testimonies and stories of knowing that this is the place. So this is a great place to start. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Sometimes we stop there. But did you look at the second bit? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I cannot see how this Bible verse is anything to do with taking our money. It is a promise of God to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on your life that you are not going to have enough room to store it. 
That is the beautiful promise of God when we choose to tithe into his house. Amen? And then once you start doing that, you're going to find that God's going to give you other ways to put him first. You're going to find that suddenly you get this heart of generosity. That's my second reset. And if you're feeling like control is coming back into your finances, if you're feeling like you're a little bit stingy at the moment, or if you're feeling like, ah, oh, I just can't do that, here is the antidote. Be generous. Go and give something. That has been the biggest revelation that I have had in my life, that whenever I feel like I try and take control back, if I just go and give something, it like releases that thing from me and I get free and I remember that God's in control. So can I encourage you that when we do these things, when we bring our tithe, when we're generous with what we have, when you are a faithful steward of the finances that God has put in your hand, if you run a business, run it with the kingdom first. Run it on kingdom principles. I have learned nothing less than all of my financial wisdom from Simon. He, God took me, a control freak, and married me to a guy who has the gift of generosity and faith. It's got to be the fun of God, right? And I give thanks for this man because he has taught me that it is far much more fun to give than to receive. And the way that he runs his business, when everyone else says, just do it that way because everybody does that, he doesn't. He takes the long road and he walks with integrity. So if you look and you see blessing on this man, it didn't just happen because of some, I don't know, lucky streak. He put God first. I am sure there are a heap of other stories in this place of blessing because you put God first. And can I encourage you, keep doing it. Go it again. Be more generous. Be the best employee that you can be. If you tithe 10%, why don't you increase it? Test God. See if he will not increase the storehouse, the floodgates of heaven over your life. Northwest, can we stand together? Because I really felt that I want to declare something over us today. And you know, some of you will be shouting this from the rooftops because this is your testimony. This is your story and reality. For some of you, this is just another stake in the ground of I'm remembering why I started this journey and I will continue this journey to the end, right? And if there are some of you here who feel like you're saying this, but you don't quite believe it, awesome, say it anyway and keep saying it until it actually becomes a truth in your heart because that's what God will do. You declare this and then you act in obedience to what God is saying to you and this will become a reality in your world. All right, sorry, I don't have it on the screen. You'll just have to listen and say it with me. But it comes out of our scripture that we just read. I will not worry about money. My heavenly Father knows what I need. I will seek first his kingdom and I will seek first his righteousness and I will trust that he will provide my every need from his abundant riches and grace. Amen. So you need to speak that over your finances every day this week. Grab that scripture and speak it out and declare and believe that God will do abundance in your finances. Can I encourage you that if you feel like 
you're tired and you're weary and you can't see this truth in your life, I'd love to pray for you after today. Please come up. I'd love to speak life into you and pray that over you because I honestly believe it is the testimony of my world that we serve a good King and that He will protect and provide for you when you put Him first. Amen. Hey, before we finish, you know, we have been speaking this whole time about living in a kingdom. And for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, we believe that our salvation, we make this really incredible choice to step into His kingdom, to call Him Saviour and to call Him Lord. Because there's sin in our world that has broken our relationship with God. And the only way to restore that relationship is through Jesus. Because He came as a man, He lived life here on earth, and He died for our sins so that we could be in relationship with God. And that gives us the incredible privilege of stepping into the kingdom of God. And if you're here today and that's not a reality in your world, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't asked Him into your life, then after the service, would you come and speak with me? Because I'd love to share with you what Jesus has done in my heart. And I'd love to share with you about how you can make the best decision you've ever made by stepping into His kingdom. Let's just pray to finish Northwest. God, we just thank you that you are a good king and that you love to protect and provide and to throw open the floodgates of heaven over us as children in your kingdom. God, we thank you that you have been releasing us into freedom by talking about money and by showing us that our money is an incredible blessing from you that can release things into our community, that can release us into crazy dreams and visions that will extend your kingdom. Lord, I declare over Northwest that there is a release in finances over this place. God, that there is an abundant blessing that is coming from your kingdom, God, to those who choose to put you first. God, we declare increase in every aspect of their lives. Lord, I know, I know, I know, I know that you love them so much and that you are their good king who desires to see them flourish in this aspect of your life. We give you all glory, God. We thank you for your life-giving word and we pray that we take it out this week and we just demonstrate it through our action, God, so that others might see that you are the king of our lives. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.